0: All right, good morning, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to welcome you to Crossroads. And I want to tell you, we have a great service planned for you. And two things that are going to envelop this whole service that I hope as you walk out of those doors this morning that you feel and know in your heart two key things. The first thing is I want you to know and feel the outrageous love of god just for you god didn't just make you and put you on this planet but he made you to love you and regardless of where you're at or what you're going through in your life today this one fact remains god loves you you matter to him and i think god is just going to envelop you and encourage you by his you are on his heart And He loves you. The second thing I hope you'll take out of this service today is that God has a great calling on your life. He has a great purpose for your life. God made you to do great things and to have a great impact on this earth. And that's primarily why we're doing our current series calling Forever Friends. Because God wants you to take your love for Him, your friendship with Jesus Christ. And when you pass that on to another person, So that they come into a faith-filled friendship with Jesus, you're making a forever friend. I mean, a friendship that will last throughout all eternity. So I'm thrilled that you're here. And before we jump into our service, can I just uh, make a few announcements? If you'd open up your program. First of all, if you pull out your communication card that looks just like this. And if you can start to fill this out and then later in the service drop that in the offering basket. That would really bless us. We love to know that you are here, and we love to know how to pray just for you. Secondly, I want to let you know that next week, we're kicking off a brand new series. In fact, this series we're in right now has been in preparation that starting next week, we're doing a series called God at the Movies. And we're kind of partnering with you. We've been asking you, would you start praying for people that you know need the love of Christ? Would you start praying about people that you think god would want you to invite and we want to give you this tool to invite your friends to come next week and to kind of partner with you to kind of i don't know entice them bribe them i don't know what the right word is but to kind of help them take that step of actually walking through these doors and attending a service we are offering free movie tickets to all first-time attenders Here's why we're doing that, by the way. We're not trying to bribe or pay people off. But we know that if a person comes here, man, they're going to experience the love of Christ. They're going to hear an encouraging message that will build up their life. But we know for some, just taking the first steps, it's a difficult step to take to come to a new church for the first time. And so to kind of help them make that step, we're, we're kind of offering something that most people really like, movie tickets, So if if you have friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors, man, that you've been praying for, this is the week to bring them. Because next week, not only will they get some nice movie tickets, but man, next week's service, you don't want to miss it. It is going to be awesome as we kick off our service, God at the Movies. also want to highlight on Friday night, August 14th at 6.30, we are having our wing cook-off. Now I was asked today, someone asked me, Pastor Paul, are, like, are, are you really good at making wings? And can I tell you, my, my skill when it comes to like wings is I'm really good at eating them. <laughs> That's my skill. I don't know how to make them, but man, I'm good at eating them. So if you like to make wings, if you like to eat wings, that Friday night is just going to be a fun family night to come out and enjoy some good food and some fellowship but let me encourage you, if you are good at making wings and would be willing to bring some of your best wings, where it says, sign me up for, just write, you know, uh, wings cook off, and we'll know that you're planning to bring some of your wings, and it'll be a great night together. And then the last thing, if you'd open up your program and pull out this sheet right here. Guys, I can't believe it. It seems like just yesterday, I was that young whippersnapper, and boom. 20 years has gone by, and you know, this September, we are celebrating 20 years, our 20th anniversary at Crossroads, and, and we're going to do, do a lot of things in September to celebrate and remember and to look forward, but one of the things that you do not want to miss, on Friday night, September 11th, we've rented out Irvington High School, and we are going to have our, all our family in one place at one time We're going to have our big celebration, but I need your help in helping it make it as special as possible. On this form, we're asking you to write down how God has used crossroads to make a difference in your life. For some of you, you found faith in Christ and were baptized here. For some of you, God used crossroads to save your life to break an addiction, to restore your marriage, to help you parent your kids, uh, to find your purpose. I don't know what it is, but I'm asking. The band's going to play for about, after I pray, they're going to play for about 90 seconds, and we're going to give you just a little bit of time. Uh, And here's why. If you take this home, we'll never see it again, right? We we all, let's just tell the truth. So we want to give you some time in the service to just begin to write that down. And when the offering basket comes, just... Put this in the basket, and then that will help us as we're preparing for our anniversary. So let me pray, and fill this out while the band plays. If you have nothing to write or you're a guest, just enjoy the music, and then Pastor Dwayne will come give us a message about what breaks God's heart. So let's uh, pray together. Lord, um, (laughs) Lord, we're excited to be here. (coughs) And uh, we're looking forward to how you want to speak to us and draw us close to you. And Father, for every precious person here today, would you do those two things? Would you remind us of your love and then show us your great calling on our lives to share the love of Christ in life-changing ways that build forever friendships? We look forward to all you have for us today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's go ahead and start filling these out
1: now. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. All right. Looks like a lot of you are still busy writing. Maybe you can half listen to me for a few moments if I finish up. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you come out this morning. I get to share a great subject with you today as we think about what breaks God's heart. It's a, it's a very serious kind of Heavy subject, but also the reality that we also can bring joy to God's heart. And so, I want us to think about that together. And as we as we dive into our message, there's an outline there in your program, a place you can follow along and take some notes. I've got some good news and some bad news. As Pastor Paul said, time is just flying by. Can you believe it's August already? I mean, summer's almost over. I mean, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Now, for some of you parents, you've been counting the days down, right? Here. You're kind of excited about it. You can't wait for your kids to go back to school. But for others of us, man, that's just kind of sad. But the good news is there's only five and a half weeks until football season and three months until basketball season. You know, one of the things uh, you know about me, I love sports. I really enjoy sports. I don't know why. It's kind of crazy. Why do we get so worked up about watching a ball go through a hoop or big, big overweight guys chasing around a, a an, an egg-shaped ball, you know, on the field. And then, and then when they suffer that crushing defeat, it just can kind of stick with you for a few days. It seems to be kind of a, a silly thing to get your heart broken about. But we can get a little bothered. We can get a little down when our teams don't do well. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I'm more heartbroken about the things that matter to me, the things that just matter to me in my little world instead of the, the big things, the things that really matter to God and His heart. I mean, have you ever really asked yourselves the question, what is it that would really break God's heart? Have you ever really thought about how God feels, how He feels, how He looks at things? See, it's just our human nature, the way we're wired. I mean, we see our perspective, and and pretty much that's all we see unless we make a intentional effort to understand someone else's perspective and God's perspective. And we get kind of wrapped up in our own world and our own needs. I mean it kind of helped you think about it's like these two guys they were on a, a fishing trip out in their boat you know on a charter boat and the boat sank it went down in flames and these two guys they wind up together in a little rubber raft floating around in the ocean. They don't know how they're gonna get back, they don't know how long they're gonna be out there. And so one guy he goes in the back of the little raft and he starts digging around to see what kind of supplies they might have there. Anything to eat or anything that would help them to survive. He finds this little lamp. He thought, man, I, I don't know if it's really true, but it won't hurt. I got all this time. He starts rubbing the lamp, and sure enough, a genie pops out. Poof. And this genie said, hey, hey, it's so good to be out of that, that lamp, but let me tell you, I've only got one wish, not a three-wish genie, I'm a one-wish genie, so make it count. And the guy's rubbing his head, thinking, how, how am I going to say this? And when his buddy jumps in and says, hey, I wish this whole ocean was an ocean full of beer, poof, all the ocean turned to beer. Well, the first guy found the lamp, man, he is just ticked. He said, that was so, so selfish of you. How could you wish for something like that? I mean, just look around us. We're trapped out here at sea. Now we're going to have to pee in the boat. <laughs> He's just thinking about himself, right? He's thinking about his own needs. His friend made this wish. Instead of wishing them to be rescued or safe or saved, he just thought about himself. What would make him happy? So self-centered. And so often we do that in life. We just say, how's this going to affect me? How's this going to impact me? And so I want us to look together at what breaks God's heart. So number one on your outline, the first thing that just wrecks God's heart is the results of sin. The results of sin. The result of pain and separation and death. Sin always results, I mean, Pastor Paul gave us a great talk a couple weeks ago. He made it very clear. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And he shared with us how sin separates us from God. And it it creates not just a physical death that came into the world and suffering and sickness and illness, but a, a, a spiritual separation from our Creator. And it separates us from God. And God hates sin because of what it does to our relationship with Him and how it affects our relationships with each other. Very early in the Bible, in the days of Noah, I mean, God looked down, here's what it says in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. Can you underline that phrase, it broke his heart? I mean, God made human beings in his image. He said they were the, the best thing that he created. He created us with a free will to choose whether or not to obey Him and follow Him or we could reject Him and go our own way. And because of that amazing choice that He gave us, we can choose to love God and follow Him and we we can create the beautiful um, emotions of love and and sacrifice and care for others, but we can also choose to be selfish and we can hurt others and we can do terrible things. And we, We look around us in the world today and we see that the world is not that much different today. There's so much evil all around us. In the world, and it broke God's heart because He loved us. Now, some people have this mistaken idea that God's just this this God up there in heaven. He's just watching you, waiting for you to mess up so He can zap you, so He can let you have it. He's just this angry God. This doesn't, I mean, God hates sin, He's mad about it, but He's not angry at it. his, His heart is broken for us. I mean, don't go through life thinking, God, is mad at you all the time, just waiting for you to mess up. He loves you. He wants you to come back to Him. There's a bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming back. And boy, is He ticked. I mean, no, that's not the attitude God has towards us, towards the human beings that He loves and He cares about. His heart aches and hurts for us. Maybe you remember the old Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. There's, there's one uh, strip where he's, you know, he was just having one of those terrible days. Everything went wrong. He forgot his lunch. He missed the bus. A bully was picking on him at school, and on his way home, it started to rain. He was getting soaked and cold and miserable, and he, he just looks up at heaven and he says, God, I, whatever I've done, I'm, I'm sorry already. just feels like God's just punishing him, letting him have it. Now God is sorry, sorrowful. His heart is broken. In fact, that word in the Hebrew there that talks about God's sorrow, it comes from the Hebrew word nakam, and it basically says means to draw the breath forcibly. Like a deep sigh of painful sorrow, to draw the breath forcefully like, man, you ever just hurt so bad, all you could do is just, man, take a deep breath, Felt like you got punched in the gut, just got to grab your breath, you don't know what to say, all you can do is groan and let out a big sigh of sorrow. God looked down and his heart was broken because of sin and what it was doing to people. And you know, God still sees all the horrible things in the world today and it still breaks His heart. God sees the starving child. He sees the bullied teenager. He he sees teens shooting each other on the street. He sees the woman who's been sold into slavery as a sex slave. He sees the person fighting cancer or recovering from a stroke. He sees the abandoned husband or wife and the ripped off and sad and alone senior citizen. And when eight-year-old Madison Middleton of Santa Cruz was found raped and murdered and left in a dumpster, I guarantee you it broke God's heart. Just like it hurts us, man. It it broke God's heart. And not only that, when God sees that 15-year-old killer, sure, he's angry about the sin. He has to answer for that. But it also breaks God's heart. Who knows what happened in that boy's life? How did he wind up doing such a terrible thing? What happened in his life that got him going down such a horrible path that he would do something like that? Breaks God's heart. And you can imagine the heartbreak that you and I have. Many of you in this, this room today, you walked here, you walked into this building today, you're carrying your own load of heartbreak. You're carrying your own pain. You're carrying your own hurt. And many of you, as you walked in here today, you, you sit down and man, it's all you can do just to keep that smile on your face. And you let out that big sigh of pain and sorrow. And can you imagine the, the heartache that I feel, the heartache that you feel Multiply that by about seven billion times. God has a big heart. He cares about each person. He's experiencing that. He sees the weight and the pain and the suffering caused by sin. God hates it. We've all experienced the, the heartbreak of death or a broken relationship. And and maybe no single event in the Bible makes it clearer than when Jesus, he, he heard about his friend Lazarus, was sick, possibly dying, and and for whatever reason Jesus waited to go. He waited a couple of days something God wanted to teach us through this story. And so when Jesus showed up, it was too late. Lazarus was dead. He was already in the tomb. And uh, when he saw Lazarus's sister, Mary, it says in John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Can you underline that phrase? Deeply moved in spirit and troubled. God cares about you. He cares about your pain I mean, think about it. This story's kind of, in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of strange because Jesus knew in just a few moments He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, I've kind of thought before, why didn't Jesus just show up and go, what's wrong with you guys? What are you worried about? I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Son of God. I'm going to raise your brother back to life. You don't have to cry. No, it says Jesus wept. He saw their pain, their suffering. He experienced how it was breaking their heart and it broke his heart and he he wept over seeing for himself the consequences of sin in the world and that human emotion. Don't forget, we're made in the image of God. All the emotions we have, they come from God. God knows what it's like to have your heart broken. Second thing that breaks God's heart is when when we put barriers to God's love. Barriers to God's love break God's heart. God can't stand it when people cause barriers that make it hard for people to come to him. Jesus said this, what sorrow, he's speaking to the religious leaders who, who put a lot of barriers in people's way. He said, what sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law, for you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. Can you underline that phrase, never lift a finger? Man, to ease the burden. They don't do anything to help. They don't do anything to help take a weight off of people. They don't do anything to make it easier for people to come to Christ, to be able to get up and have some hope. You know, in His Word, God gives us some basic commands, some basic laws or rules to follow. They're for our protection. They're to guide us and protect us from hurting ourselves and hurting others. And we choose to disobey them. We think we know better. We, we go our own way. But these religious leaders, their job was to help teach the people. But Somewhere along the way, they didn't just teach the laws that God gave us. They added layers of laws to it to help keep people from breaking the laws. But they made it more about how you looked on the outside. All this religious cleaning and rituals and things they had to do. They focused more and more on on that instead of the heart. And Jesus said, you're putting such a burden on people. And these religious leaders, they would would teach all these laws that they had. All these extra man-made laws on top of God's laws. And then they would say, kind of had the attitude like, you need to be like us. You're not worthy to come. They looked down on those people. They didn't try to come alongside them and encourage them and lift the burden. They just piled on more. They made a barrier for people to come to Christ. And and even after Jesus came and he he went back to heaven and he commissioned his followers, there was still this religious thinking where it was more about the, the, the rituals and the religion than it was about the relationship. There was still this thinking. Some of the Leaders were, started teaching that, well, it's not good enough to have faith in Christ. You've also got to get circumcised. You've got to get baptized to be saved. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. You've got to clean your life up first. And no, Paul tells us, no, it's by faith alone in, in Christ that we're saved. That's what Jesus reminded us over and over again. And so these religious leaders whose very job it was was to help remove barriers to God they were creating barriers and crushing people with this weight. They lost sense of their very purpose, why they were here, what they were supposed to do. I mean, it's like there was this situation in this hospital, and uh, every every Sunday at eleven o'clock in the ICU unit, someone would die, and they couldn't figure it out. They looked at all the charts, the records. What's going on? How come we're always losing somebody every Sunday? What's happening? They called together a group of experts, they called them all in, they they spread out all through the ICU ward on on Sunday at eleven to watch and see, and, and, and just before eleven, the old janitor comes in, walks into one of the rooms, unplugs the life support machine, and plugs in his vacuum cleaner. Well, now they figured it out. Somebody lost sight of their purpose, what they were supposed to be doing. They were there to keep people alive. He's more focused on cleaning the floor. So people were losing their lives. God said, man, Jesus said, you're crushing people. You've lost sense of your purpose. He hates it when we put barriers in the way of people coming to Christ. And it's easy for us, it's easy for us to look at these religious leaders and think, man, these guys are really jerks. (laughs) I can't believe how terrible they are. I mean, I would never add any barriers to people coming to Christ. I would tell people, come as they are, and Jesus loves you, and, and we'll accept you and help you and invite Jesus into your life. But you know what? Sometimes we're all guilty of not lifting a finger to help. Sometimes we're all guilty of not lifting a finger to help. One time this old preacher he got up, he got up in front of his congregation, and he said, lost people. And lost, lost means, you know, it's just like when a parent gets separated from a child in the store, right? You're lost. You're separated. Doesn't mean you're a bad, any worse than anybody else. We've all been lost, but he says, lost people. Are dying and going to hell and some of you here today you just don't give a damn people in the car whew. pastor pause a minute and he say you know what right now some of you are more upset that i said the word damn in church than that lost people are dying and going to hell so you're more upset about a word I used in church than the reality of what breaks God's heart is people who are far from God, who don't know Him, who are separated from Him. And if we don't do something to help them, they're lost forever. And that breaks God's heart. We can be just as guilty of the religious leaders of not lifting a finger to help someone. God's commissioned us. And then God hates it when someone leads people astray, when He tempts them, when He when, when we. You know, lead people astray, lead them away from God. As I was thinking about this week, two things kept popping in my head. You know, the people who who tempt kids to get onto cigarettes or drugs, get them addicted to something. I mean, for some people, it starts when they're very young and it can wreck their lives. And I was also thinking about pornography. You know, the temptation is just everywhere. I mean, they know they know where to advertise, they know where to try to lure guys in, guys who are very visual. They they put ads up. I mean, you, you go to read something on the internet about sports or news or something that a guy would go to, the business page, and you see these sleazy ads that want to lure you in. And to get people addicted to something that will wreck their lives. Well, Jesus said this in Luke seventeen, he said, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? You know, Jesus doesn't like it when we create burdens, when we lead people astray, when we make it hard for them to come to God. It breaks His heart. And then number three, the ultimate. It's the rejection of the Lord. Rejection of God. It breaks His heart. Many of you, you know, you know the pain of rejection. I've experienced the pain of rejection. Maybe you have been rejected by a spouse, by a child, by a parent? You've been rejected by some friends, someone you love, someone you were close to. Many of us have experienced the heartbreak of rejection, and God's experienced it. I mean, Jesus, He came to help people. He gave of Himself. He healed people. He fed them. He taught them. He loved them, and they rejected Him and sent Him to the cross. And when you get rejected by someone you love, it hurts. I mean, sometimes you can't sleep. It like your stomach churns. Sometimes you can't eat. One of the saddest things that we deal with as pastors is when, some, uh, when a couple winds up in our office, a couple that we love, often we're friends with, they wind up in our office and their marriage is a wreck. And sometimes it's just too late. One, one of the partners still wants to work out things and, and do the hard work, but the other one's given up. They've already checked out. They're already gone. And it's so sad to watch the effect of that rejection on the one who still loves their spouse, who still cares, who's still trying. It just hurts. And you know, in the, in the Old Testament, God describes His relationship with His people as like between a husband and a wife. The nation of Israel is like his, his wife, His spiritual wife. In the New Testament, the church is described as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And so, one of the, the clearest pictures of this is in the book Hosea. If you don't, not, don't have anything you're reading in your own personal Bible reading right now, I challenge you to read the book of Hosea this week. It gives us a picture of of the rejection of God. Not just of how Israel rejects God, but so often how we, it's, it's a picture of how human beings reject God. And in this book, it talks about how um, Israel, they continued to be unfaithful to God. And so God was going to give them a spiritual object lesson. So he called Hosea, a prophet. He said, Hosea, I'm going to give you a mission. I want you to, to go out and marry a prostitute named Gomer. And I want you to build a marriage relationship with her, have a home, and, and have kids. And through your relationship with Gomer, I'm going to teach the nation of Israel what they're like. And so can you imagine? That's a pretty challenging ministry that uh, God gave Hosea. He goes out. He's very obedient. He marries Gomer. They have some kids. And God says, hey, this is like my picture with you. You were living far from me. You were living your life of sin, but I loved you. I accepted you. I brought you in. And then later in the story, Gomer, for whatever reason, she gets a little restless and she decides to go back down to the red light district and start doing her business again. And uh, God tells, tells Hosea, I want you to go down and buy her back. I don't know if she sold herself into slavery or buy her back and bring her home and forgive her and love her. I mean, can you imagine? And Hosea did it. And God said, this is a picture. This is a picture of how you've You've, you've come to me and then you've broken my heart and you've wandered away. You've rejected me. They began worshiping Baal and uh, other idols and, and the religions they would get caught up in were very sensual and very materialistic and they, they turned away from God. But yet God would bring them back. And this happened time and time again when you read in the Old Testament and God's given them a picture. But God says, you know, I'm going to get to the point where I'm just going to have to release you, let you go, let you experience the consequences of your choices, let you suffer for your sin. And in Hosea 11, we don't have a picture of an angry God, an angry husband, but of a heartbroken God. He says, oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. Can you underline that phrase, my heart is torn? Hey, God's heart, it's like shredded, it's broken, it's hurting because He loves his children he loves his people and yet they continue to to be spiritually unfaithful to commit spiritual adultery and it's breaking his heart and it reaches a point where he just can't tolerate anymore but his heart is broken one of the most powerful pictures of this in the new testament is when jesus he's on his way to jerusalem to be crucified he knows he knows what's happening what's going to happen and as he comes to Jerusalem, the crowds are greeting him. He's, he's coming on the road towards Jerusalem. They're cheering. They're, they're, they're excited to see him. It's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, you know, as he comes towards the city. But it, the Bible says this, he Look what it says in Luke 19. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all, that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Jesus coming up the city. It's almost like a big party, parade, celebration. And he starts weeping because these people, he knows they've rejected him. They've rejected God. Their idea of the Messiah is all distorted. They think Jesus is coming to free them from the Roman government, not coming to free them from their sins. And Jesus knows these people who are cheering and saying, Hosanna, praise to God, welcome the Messiah. He knows these very people in two or three days, they're going to be in the streets shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He knows these very people who are out there cheering are going to reject him. And he doesn't get angry. It breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. And it's not because God needs us. It's because God loves us. You know, we want our best for our children, and he knows their choices are going to lead down a very destructive road. In fact, Jesus knew in just a few decades, the city would be destroyed, the people would be wiped out there in Jerusalem, and it broke his heart because God loves us. That's why he's he's grieved by sin and barriers to coming to him because ultimately they lead to rejection of the Lord and that breaks God's heart because he created us for a relationship with him. He created us as beings that he wants to love and be loved by. He created us to love and pour out his blessings on and we've rejected him. So think about it. You and me, I mean, we're just one person, right? We're one person out of seven billion on this planet. One person. One person. You have the ability to break God's heart. You can choose to sin and disobey God. You can choose to not help people, put up barriers to people's coming to God, and you can choose to reject God. You can break God's heart. But you know the beautiful side of that, the flip side of that also, is you can bring God's heart great joy. You can bless God's heart. And so that's what I want us to focus on now. Is how, what can I do if I recognize God's heart breaks for these things? What can I do? How can I bring joy to God's heart? So the first thing is very simple. You can receive Jesus. Embrace Him in your life, in your heart. Number one, receive Jesus. John 1.12, it says, To all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. I mean... The very people, me, you, the very people who've broken God's heart, who've, who've sinned, who've rejected Him. Sometimes we didn't care about others, and, and we've heard Him. The very people who, who've broken God's heart. When we come to Him and we receive Jesus, He embraces us. We become His children. We're adopted into God's family. The, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is such a powerful picture of the son who rejected his father, but came back home, and the father welcomed him. And it brings God so much joy. To receive Jesus, you basically, you don't have to clean up your life first. You just admit, hey God, I'm a mess. I've sinned. I've messed up. I've fallen short. Please forgive me. I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. That he took my place. He took the penalty for my sins. So you admit your need. You believe in Jesus and you commit to follow him. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to receive you. I don't, not just in my head, but in my heart. I want to embrace you. I want, to, I want you in my life. I want to be led by you and guided by you. And in Luke 15, it says, There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. When you return to God, it brings God great joy. Many of you are already followers of Christ. The day you received Christ was great, brought great joy to heaven. And, and some of us, as we follow Christ, we get a little off track. We start going our own way. When you come back to saying, God, I want to put you first. I want to make you Lord in my life. I want to surrender my life totally to you. It brings God joy because you're more fully receiving Jesus. You're, you're living and embracing Him. So receive Jesus. Number two, treat others with love and kindness. In Ephesians, Paul tells the church, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's saying, don't break God's heart. Don't break God's heart by the way you treat others. He says, get rid of some things that are so hurtful and and sinful and break God's heart. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. God says, hey, don't grieve me. The way you treat each other matters. The way you talk to each other matters. I mean, as a parent, I joked earlier about counting down the days till school starts. Well, my two youngest boys, you know, they're, they're good kids, they're, but they're teenagers, you know what I mean? They're infected. And so... I, I've been away working most of the summer. My poor wife, Jennifer, she's home with the boys and sometimes they're driving her crazy because they're not getting along. Usually they're like best friends and they're not getting along so good sometimes. And it grieves us as parents. And I hate it when I come home from work and I got to kind of jump in and I don't get to come home and be playful dad. I get to come home and be policeman dad, you know, and help. So it's just, you know, help sort things out. It, it hurts you as a parent. It grieves your heart. you You know, I prayed for my kids that they would grow up to be best friends, that they would look out for each other and care for each other, and they'd be there for each other. You know, especially Seth and Josiah, they have parents who are a little older, so I won't be around as long as some parents, so I want them to be there for each other, to have each other's back. And when they treat each other wrong, it hurts, you know? But when they are kind to each other and compassionate. You know, Josiah, my youngest one, he has a big heart. Like, sometimes we'll be out and he'll say, Daddy, can I, have, can I have two cupcakes? I'm like, no, can't have two cupcakes. It's too much, too much sugar. No, 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 Dad, I don't want them for me. I want to take one for Seth. Sometimes someone will give him like a big cookie or something, and I will get in the car and go, Josiah, how come you didn't eat your cookie? I'm going to take it home and divide it with Seth. I think, wow, that blesses me. Why can't you be like that all the time? <laughs> Jesus gave us the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them to do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You know, God cares about how we treat each other. So receive Jesus, treat each other with love and kindness. And then the third thing is pursue what brings Christ joy. Pursue what brings Christ joy. I mean, if you love someone, then maybe you don't love everything they're interested in, but you should at least care about it. You should care about the things that make them happy, that bring them joy. I was thinking about my sister Linnea. I grew up, you know, with my sister, and uh, she was not interested in sports at all. My dad wasn't interested. My, my family wasn't a sports family. I'm like a freak in my family. I don't know how I got into sports, but anyway. So a few years ago, she met Dave Hedgecock here at Crossroads, and they got married, and she fell in love with Dave, and she loved Dave, and she began to love and care about the things that Dave loves, and now she loves the 49ers, I think, more than Dave. She gets stressed out when they're, they're, wait, I didn't say it. I don't mean she loves the 49ers more than she loves Dave. I, I mean, she loves the 49ers more than Dave loves the 49ers. I mean, man. Oh, I just get in trouble. Okay, so, I mean, she cares so much about the 49ers. I mean, it's hard to watch a football game with her. She gets so stressed. And she's all during the summer. I mean, she doesn't play fantasy football or anything. It doesn't really matter to her during the summer. But she's reading stuff on Bleacher Report on her phone about the 49ers all summer. Tell me, did you hear this? Did you know that? She didn't care about football at all before. She's fallen in love with the A's, and she's even started playing golf, all because she loves Dave, and what matters to him matters to her. And, you know, if we love Jesus, the things that matter most to him should at least matter to us. And if God gave his life for us, then what matters for us and what he's asked us to do for him, we should be willing to do. And, you know, the Bible makes very clear that lost people matter to God, that people matter to God so much. One day this earth is going to end. The Bible says it's going to be destroyed. There's two things that last. It's God's word and people. People were created with eternity in their hearts. We're eternal beings. God loves us. And lost people matter to him. And if, if Jesus, Jesus said the reason he came to earth was to seek and to save those who were lost. Those who were separated from God. And if that's what matters most to God, that should matter to us. Jesus told a series of stories in Luke 15 that kind of illustrate this point. And one story goes like this uh, in Luke 15. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Yes, that's right. He's going to leave the 99, right? Because he cares about that one. He cares about them all. He's going to leave the 99 behind. He's going to leave his comfort, leave, get up and go and search for him until he finds them. He'll leave the 99 others in the wilderness. Go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. He's not like walking home going, psh, 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 bad sheep. Psh, psh. He's like, oh, I'm so so glad. I can't believe I found you. Can't believe we've been reunited, you know? So God's commissioned, he's commissioned us, Jesus commissioned us to go and help find lost sheep, lost people that matter to God. And when we help bring one home, when God uses us with a invite card or sharing our story or praying for someone when we serve them when they come to church or needs they have in their community in their home when we help someone and they eventually come to christ man that brings god so much joy and jesus commands us to go look at matthew 28 go and make followers can you underline that phrase he says get out of your seat get out of your lazy boy and get up And go do something to help make some followers. Just like the guy who got up and he went out and looked for the lost sheep. Go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and bring people home to the Father. It helps help connect them. Invite them. Take some risks. It blesses God. It brings him great joy. And then he says, baptize them. Now the joy comes, the biggest, greatest joy comes when they receive Christ. But, you know, when I give my kids some instructions, my kids probably aren't like your kids. They don't always do things right away when I ask them to. I don't know about in your home, but, you know, my kids, but, but man, when they get up with a good attitude and they do what I ask them and they don't delay and they don't complain and they help out, and they, man, that blesses me. The same way God says, the thing that brings me greatest joy is when someone comes home to me, but then when you begin to obey me, when you begin to follow me. And one of the first things Jesus commanded us to do as followers of Christ is to get baptized. And maybe some of you here, you've, you've received Christ. You've already, they've already thrown a party for you in heaven. But you haven't taken that step to go public and declare your faith. And God would say, hey, get baptized. Declare your faith. Invite some friends and family to come. And they say, oh, I don't want to go to church. I'd say, oh, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to go to church to go to church. Would you come support me? Would you come be a part of my uh, significant step in my life? And it will be a witness to them. So we have baptisms next week. Maybe you want to write that on your communication card. you like to talk to somebody about getting baptized. Our children's ministry director, Dori Smith, is over here on the second row. Wave your hand, Dori. She's, she's teaching a class Tuesday night. Are you teaching or John? or John's teaching. So they're teaching a class for our kids, any kids that want to get baptized. So you can write that on your card or connect with them after the service. But do you really care? about what matters to God? Or do you just care about your own comfort, your own needs? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone? I mean, life has, has a way of just getting us all distracted about everything I've got to do to survive today. My checklist of things I'm way behind on. And we get distracted, we get caught up. But what is most important? Do you really want to bless the heart of your Father who, who sacrificed and gave His all and His best for you? So don't just hear this challenge from me, I want you to hear from two missionaries in Africa who put their lives on the line. They're going to challenge you to pursue what matters to God. So watch this with me and then I'm going to come back and we're going to wrap up.
2: mission work is I everyday refer mission like coming from your comfort zone to the combat zone uh, for instance somebody coming from America where everything is nice for you to enjoy come and live in the jungles of Africa where pleasure is so hard even no electricity or something like that it's not easy but yet for the sake of the Lord I know Jesus Christ gave his life so there's nothing I can pay that is more than that so I've, I've um, gone through many things i ah. I know that there are going to be challenges. I know difficult and dangers are all around. I know I could lose my life, and my colleagues could lose their life. Uh, I'm aware of the reality that I'm going to be away from my family. I'm aware of all these risks available. I know I could be in prison because I know in the, in the, in the Muslim countries, uh, it's, it's, it's illegal to really proselyte or convert somebody to become a Christian. But yes, too, the word of God must still go forward, despite the chains that are there for us. So we'll, we'll, we'll meet dear ones, but yes, too, we have to go there and, and make sure we proclaim the good news. I encourage our brothers from all walks of life to let their life be a vessel for the Lord to use. The greatest joy in life, the greatest fulfillment in life is to place our life in the hands of God to use to glorify His own name you are able to avail yourself for the lord to use for his name to be glorified you have accomplished the greatest task in this world which has which will have impact on your life today and eternity so this is my little encouragement to every human being that has come into the saving grace of our lord jesus christ in the greatest fulfillment to let your life be in the will of god
1: Well, to me, it's pretty humbling to listen to those two guys encourage me to get out of my comfort zone and go invite somebody to church. Because I'm not going to get put in jail or arrested, beaten. I'm not going to get... I might get made fun of or rejected, or when people see me, they might run the other way. I don't know. But these guys are putting it on the line. You know, they're out there. They know the risks. They know the dangers. But because they love God, and they want to bless the heart of God, and they want to help other people who don't know God come to know Him they are living it out in their lives. And the challenge is, would you pursue what matters to God? Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commands. You know, I know many of you, you love Christ. And He wants to be first in your life. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And, and his, last, his last words, His greatest commandment to us was to go and make followers. So as we, as we close today... I want to end our service just a little differently than we usually do. Fred's going to come, and he's going to lead us. There on your outline, I put a chorus from Hillsong United. It says, heal my heart and make it clean. You know, heal my heart from the effects of sin and selfishness and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for, should say for, not from, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This isn't our offering song. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and, and sing with me and with Fred and, uh, as, as, as your prayer. Make this your sincere prayer from your heart. Ask God to change your heart. If for just a moment, as the band comes out, wouldn't that be awesome to have the heart of God to be so changed that you really care about the things that God cares about? And we've been in this series called Making Forever Friends. And can you imagine if you took the little invite card and you took a risk and you, you got out of your comfort zone and you invited someone to come to church with you next week. And you even, you even bribed them. You said, if you come, just come for the service with me and then you get a free movie ticket. <laughs> but you'd say, come with me. Would you come? Pray for them. Invite them. And can you imagine... Can you imagine if your friend or your relative, they, they shock you and they actually show up and they start coming to church and they, they fall in love with Christ. And I can just tell you story after story of the person who, the friend, the friend who came to Crossroads, they fell in love with Jesus. Their life was a mess. Their marriage was, was hopeless. They were addicted they were disconnected from their kids and God began to change their heart, change their life, change their homes. Can you imagine if you took that card and you invited, that's all God's asking you to do is invite and share your faith. And you let God do the work. I mean, we love them, we care about them, we, we do our best to teach them and encourage them, but only God can change their hearts. And we do our part. And, and when they come and get in an environment where God can speak to them and get their attention, you know, it blesses and brings so much joy To God's heart, so I want to challenge you this week as you go to make that your mission. To say I'm going to pursue what matters to God, I'm going to go out of my way to invite someone to join me here next weekend. So in just a moment, uh, the band's going to lead us in a song, and uh, ushers are going to come and take an offering. If you're here as a guest, we don't ask you to give financially. Just share your communication card and uh, your, you know, the story of how God has used Crossroads in your life to help us celebrate in a in a few uh, weeks. Put that in the offering basket, and then if you if you feel that afterwards you want to stand and sing with the band, then you can join in. So uh, enjoy the song. Thank you guys for coming out. If you're uh, comfortable, lifting a hand towards God, just symbolically reaching out to Him. Lord, would you heal our hearts? Would you break our hearts for what breaks Yours, God? Help us to see people with Your eyes, and God, help us to know who You want us to help, who You want us to reach out to, and God, help us to have the courage. And love for you that would get us out of our comfort zone to do it. As we go, give us your eyes, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.